This is our number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And each week we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and a unique fashion. In this hour of the program, uh, at some point, Leah, I intend to go through the other three GOP candidates and talk about where they are and what they must be thinking right now, what their strategy appears to be. I'm a little confused by a couple things. Maybe you'll be able to help me out. We also have to get to <laughs> maybe the most embarrassing moment of Hillary Clinton's campaign today. Oh wow! Um, and I mean, they're they're stacking up these mistakes. No, it, it and that's what the real that's what's such a shame about what we're doing here about to nominate Donald Trump because she is so beatable. I mean, yep. she really is so unbelievably beatable. What difference at this point does it make? Well, you're right. At this point, it might not make much difference, Hillary, because it looks like, in my mind, I think you're almost a lock, barring indictment or some sort of economic collapse or oh, we know uh, that's terrorist not attack. Coming. Oh, no, she's not going to get indicted. I mean, I love these people that rel- – by the way – it's okay to think, well, maybe she could get indicted. That's okay. I got no problem with that. It's not going to happen. But at least that's rational. What's not rational is, let's bet the house. <laughs> Let, let's, build, let's bet the entire future of the entire country on the notion that a Obama administration Justice Department is going to indict Hillary Clinton. And oh, by the way, not tell Joe Biden to run just as a right. backup. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, Bernie Sanders, even if he slid in there, he beats Donald Trump by more. You know, I actually don't believe that. And see, I, I hope people understand. I'm incredibly objective about Donald Trump. I used to really like the guy. As I've said many times, I met him backstage at the Today Show. Uh, he's exactly like you think that he is. He supported my work on the Penn State story publicly and privately. Uh, I, I, he probably didn't know what it was about. <laughs> no, he's actually been very outspoken. <laughs> he's been very outspoken about the, the Penn State case, um, which is, you know, he first thing he says to me is people in Pennsylvania love me, um, which, by the way, should have been, <laughs> been the first should have been the first sign that he was actually going to run. Because in retrospect, I now think this was all because he was thinking he was going to run for president. And that his, and he needed Pennsylvania. And, and he thought he could win Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Which, by the mm-hmm. way, if, if he's going to win a state that's outside of the normal map, I think he could win Pennsylvania. But not because of the Penn State thing. That might be worth a point, maybe two. Uh, I think the demographics of Pennsylvania work as well as any state, maybe the best uh, for Trump. If everything broke perfectly, which it's not going to do because the media won't let it break perfectly for him. But anyway, so, so here's here's the deal. So so anyway, I, I actually I love his anti-political correctness. And I'm Me too. And I'm also objective about what he can do and what he can't. I think he beats Sanders. Sanders numbers are irrelevant because Sanders is not known to the vast majority of the American people. People don't understand just, you know, we've used this clip all the time. That's the majority of general election voters. They aren't even paying that much attention. They have no idea of who Bar- uh, uh, Bernie Sanders is. I almost said Barry Sanders. They don't, they don't know the difference between Barry Sanders and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> most of them. They really don't. Uh, all they know they is... They know they don't want a Republican! Right, and and they might know about Larry David. 
the character on you know that's been playing Bernie Sanders on Saturday Night Live. But they don't know any of the details, okay, of of who Bernie Sanders really is, what he really believes. I think Trump would actually have a hell of a shot against Bernie Sanders because I don't think the American people would. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe we were so far lost that I'm I'm incorrect in this analysis. But I actually don't think the American people would consider Bernie Sanders to be qualified to be president after a general election campaign. Uh, I mean, all uh, I can look at is real clear politics. That's all I can I, look no, but, at. But, but, but this is important, Leah. You've inadvertently made a very, very important point. Ordinarily, head-to-head polls in March wouldn't necessarily be predictive of what's going to happen in November. Lots of things can occur. It's a lot of time. People aren't paying that much attention. Hillary and Trump is a unique situation. Because everybody knows them. Everybody not only knows them, but has made a determination about what they think of them that is embedded in concrete. Okay? It's in concrete what you think Hillary's of Hillary. Hillary's a liar, but let's give her the presidency. Well, here's why she would here's the bottom line of why she she would win for two reasons. One, Trump solves her turnout problem. Because he's going to be a negative yes. turnout machine, and yes. that's her number one problem. Number two is, as much as we dislike her, as much as she's a liar, as much as she's annoying, and we can't stand incompetent, the, and the, you know, we can't stand, you know, anything really about her. I mean, she's just, she's just annoying. I mean, oh, what that voice. difference at this point does it oh. make? Right. I mean, there's, you know, and also there's, of course. Well. <laughs> uh, all right. So with all that. Built into the cake, baked into the cake. All right. Here's the difference. Well over 50 percent of the American people, even if they don't like her, will consider her, quote unquote, qualified to be president. Presidential material. They've already seen her in the White House for eight years. She was in the Senate. She was secretary of state. We can envision her in that position. All right. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's over 50 percent. That's the number one criteria you have to get past to even be considered being president. Trump isn't going to get past the 50 percent threshold. There's you never, mean even with all the American flags behind him at his no, press no, conferences? No, you cannot. There's no way. There is no way 50 percent of the American people are going to accept the notion that he could be president, that he's qualified, that he passes through this magical threshold that, oh, okay, I can see him being president. And by the way, there's been polls that prove this, not just the head-to-head polls with Hillary. There have been polls that have asked, would you be embarrassed if Donald Trump was president? It's, I think the response was 51% said yes. There's been other negative connotations to a, a Trump presidency where over 50% of the American people yeah. have said in the affirmative. If you think you're going to be – if you say to a pollster, I would be embarrassed by Donald Trump being president, guess what? You are never going to vote for them against anybody you conceive, you conceive of as being qualified. And Hillary, for all of her negatives – is qualified, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote, she is qualified. And the media will shore that up for sure, with, with unprecedented gusto. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, they're uh, going after Trump so hard now. for right. He gets all the blame for the idiot starting violence. I get but that. But it's his fault. Well, but it doesn't matter because life is not fair. Politics <sighs> is not fair. Perception is reality. And, and that's 
that unfortunately is going to be a negative, another negative in the general election. For, for those who don't don't buy into this media theory, it's going to be worse than a normal Republican. And I've learned a lot. No one knows the news media better than I do. I mean, I've done three documentary films on stories where the news media screwed it up. I've dealt with all these people. They're they're idiots. They're incompetence. They're scoundrels. They're Trump's right. They are bad people. That's the number one they thing are. I agree with him on. When he they are bad people in the mainstream elite news media, but they don't have much power anymore individually. So when they get the chance to get together as a group as a mob, as a herd, and do something that they perceive to be in as a moral imperative, where they can be on the right side of history, where they can be on the right side, and I use that term very loosely because they're usually on the wrong side. When they can be on the, always on the wrong side. Right, almost always. On the right side of an issue. Well, when that situation occurs, look out. It is a hungry dog with a juicy steak. There is no, because that is what they love doing better than anything else. And so Donald Trump is going to represent to them a golden opportunity to achieve three agendas that are at the top of their list. Ratings. Ratings, number one. Elect a Democrat, number two. And, mm-hmm. per- be, and perceive themselves as doing good and being right and doing what is in the best interest of the nation, even though, of course, they don't give a crap about that normally. But Trump will give them that opportunity, and they will act as a mob herd of the jackals that they are. And they yes. will oh, yes. tear They'll have editorial apart. meetings every single morning to figure out how to take Trump down today. Right. I mean, I've seen it. It's what they'll do. I've referenced the Penn State story already a couple times. Ironically, since, you know, he was one of the only celebrities to get that that was a fraud, uh, they're going to go Penn State on him. They're going to go Penn State on him. And there will be, and, you know, the the rebuttal will have no impact on the people who determine national elections who are, quote-unquote, independents, who are really not paying attention. They go by headlines. They go by pictures. And, you know, frankly... Imbecile. So that's 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 right there is why, barring the three things I've mentioned, indictment, economic collapse, or well-timed terrorist attack, Trump ain't going to beat Hillary. Now, uh, you mentioned in the last segment <laughs> that I don't I, I should give up more easily, you know, but I of course don't fit into that category. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> Nothing is over until we decide it is. There actually is a way. To stop Donald Trump, and I will explain it. Of course, like everything, all brilliant ideas I have, no one will pay attention to it. But I will explain it when we return on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, it's not going to happen in all likelihood, largely, ironically, because the so-called GOP establishment is not nearly as evil or as establishment as the Trump people would like to have you believe. But it is still possible 
And it could have been very easy, had it been done in the last couple of weeks, to yes. stop Donald Trump. Um, and, and there's a number of ways it could have happened. Uh, and there's still one way left that it still could. Uh, now, what hurt this effort to stop Donald Trump were a couple of things that happened at the debates. Number one was the, the previous debate to this one that happened on Thursday. For some reason, all the non-Trumps, when asked, would you support Donald Trump as the nominee, said yes. Now, um, that to me, basically, if that wasn't, that might, when we look back on this, that might be the moment that it was the last chance to stop Trump. Because let's look at this with some, I, I realize logic doesn't have a lot of play anymore, but if Donald Trump really is worth, you know, raising hell over and, and you know, moving heaven and earth to stop, if that's really true, if he's really an existential threat to the nation and the party, how can you possibly say you would support him for president, right? I mean, it's an inherent, right. it's an inherent contradiction. It undercuts your the, the very essence of your argument. You know, I, I keep going into the Penn State thing, but since that's been my life for almost four years, people get on me because I often get very passionate and emotional uh, and angry about what really happened there. And I always say, you can't scream bloody murder. You can't claim that there's a bloody murder if you're not going to scream bloody murder. I mean, you, you can't say, you know, gee, I, I think uh, under further review, this might have been a horrendous injustice. That doesn't, that doesn't work, okay? Because if it really is that much of an injustice, you have to be passionate about it. Well, But they all said they would support whoever the right, nominee was. Right, which cuts the legs out from underneath it. And then, and then the head of the Republican Party, the head of the evil establishment that doesn't exist, uh, Priest Revis, which I hate that name. What a, what a douchebag Reince name. Priebus. Oh, Reince Priebus. I hate the name so much I got it wrong. <laughs> so so he, he starts the debate this past week with basically an announcement to the to the TV audience and the crowd there, yeah, let's lay off Donald Trump. That's not what he said, but he effectively, I don't know if you saw it or not. He basically, I did see it, and it, it seemed uh, sincere, but I think he's lying. Oh, you, you think that there's an underground plan? Yes. Boy, I would like to, because if there was an underground plan, and, and they knew what they were doing, that's exactly what they would do. They would, on the yeah. surface, say, look, we're going to embrace Donald. We don't want any division. We need to unify. We're going to support our party's nominee come hell or high water, even if it is a lunatic named Donald Trump. And then underneath the surface, they would cut his balls off. I would. I don't believe that because I don't believe that they're that competent, and I don't think that they're that smart or or that evil or or that conniving. I wish that they were. Now we're out of time for this segment, but it will lead me to the next segment. Thankfully, it's a three-hour show where I'll explain how even after having cut the legs off on their own argument, even as of today, no matter what happens on Tuesday. You could still deny Donald Trump the nomination without breaking any rules or moral parameters. And I'll explain. Or making any new ones. Or making any new ones. And it's really not that hard. It, and there might be a slight movement to do it. I'll, I'll, you'll you'll want to check this out when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Sigler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And this is the guy who is almost certainly going to be the GOP nominee. All I know is what's on the Internet. I love the poorly educated. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. Believe me. (laughs) I love the poorly educated. I'm very capable of changing to anything That's my I want favorite. to change to. I'm very capable of changing everything, anything I want to change to. I love That's the poorly right. educated. That is my second favorite. I love the poorly educated. You Don't could, we all? You, you cannot make this up. You cannot possibly have made this all up. Now, you gave me a glimmer, a very tiny glimmer, but you gave me a, a glimmer of hope in the last segment. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> what? When, when you suggested that maybe the evil Republican establishment isn't as incompetent and clueless and naive and and completely disorganized as I think that they are, uh, you, you tell me you're really telling me the truth that you think that Trump is being played here that there that, yes. that there's a possum a game of possum going on here. Do you really think that's what's going on? I think there's a move afoot within the Republican Party. Uh, the hated elite, quote, establishment uh, to keep everybody in to deny him the delegates that he needs. And barring that, they're going to get him at the convention. They're not going to let him be the nominee. I honestly believe they're not going to let it happen. All right. Now, there's some logic to what you're saying, but there's some things that don't make any sense. Okay. Um, and, And number one is, the person that would most benefit from the scenario you're, you've just outlined, which is I'm going to explain in a second, is very realistic. It's very logistically possible. Would be Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz one is hated by the establishment, and two has been very outspoken about not wanting a brokered convention. Now this is probably the greatest mystery, at least to me, in his entire GOP race. Why does Ted Cruz not want a brokered convention? Based upon his actions, he's helping Trump win Florida. And, you know, it looks to me like Trump's going to lose Ohio to Kasich, which is actually good for Trump because Kasich will stay in. Even if Rubio were to drop out, there's a very good chance Trump's going to win Illinois, North Carolina. He might even win Missouri, which is going to be... I, I, to me, is the most underrated state on Tuesday because Rick Santorum got 55 percent Missouri. If Cruz can't even win Missouri, he can't beat Trump. All right. So, so I don't understand the Cruz logic here. So you're you're going in the tank on Tuesday. You're doing things that are going to help Trump get an enormous lead. You're the only way you can stop him is a broker convention, and you're saying publicly. You don't want that, and basically that if Trump has the most delegates, he should still get the nomination. So do you understand my confusion there, Leah? Well, I mean, look, I I, I feel like Ted maybe thinks that if he can come in second everywhere else, 
uh, it'll end up in a brokered convention. Well, but, but, but he, does, he says he doesn't and want that. He says well, he doesn't want that. what is he going to say? I no, want a brokered no, convention? No, here's what you say. It's very simple, and I'm amazed. I am stunned that even some so-called members of the evil elite establishment are, are saying the opposite of this. And the New York Times um, had an op-ed by their quote-unquote conservative today that nailed it on this issue today. The rule says... You need 1,237 delegates. That's a majority. Okay? Right. That's one, one, it's a majority plus one, I believe. There's a reason for that. And it's not, it doesn't, the rule doesn't say, eh, if you get close, <laughs> you can be the nominee, even if you're a liberal crazy person. That, that, no, there's a reason why the rule is there, and it makes perfect sense. But, you know, even Lindsey Graham, of all people, said, eh, if Trump gets close, uh, we ought to just give it to him because it would create too much disharmony, too much conflict, and his people would stay home. What 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 kind of craziness is that? That's insane. And so that's what they ought. Well, here's what you ought to be saying if you're Ted Cruz. Conventions have a purpose. Delegates are selected for a reason. This is not supposed to be a straight. Democratic vote. If it was, we could all go online on on one day and choose who our favorite is, and we'd all be done with this. This this is not supposed to be pure democracy. The, the in all seriousness, Leah, the primary caucus system was intended to be a suggestion to the party. It was not supposed to be binding. And by the way, the Democrats are smart enough to realize how stupid their base is. That's why they have hundreds and hundreds of superdelegates. So that in case their base goes crazy, like they're doing this year, they can say, whoa, <laughs> hold everything. We know better, you imbecile. So, so that's so I don't understand why Cruz isn't making that argument. And it came up at the debate on Thursday, and they let Trump get a huge pass. Here's right. here's Trump talking about the issue of the 1237. He's clearly clueless about <laughs> how the process works to the point where this playing possum theory you have would actually work, and I have more evidence to back that up, which I'll get to in a second, but here's Trump talking about the notion of who should win the nomination if he doesn't get 1237 delegates. If two of us uh, get up there, I, I would say this, if, if Marco, if the governor, if Ted had more votes than me in the form of delegates, I think whoever gets to that top position, as opposed to solving that artificial number that was set by somebody, which is a very random number, I think that whoever gets the most delegates should win. That's what I think. All right. Now, of course, he's going to say that because he has the best chance of having the most delegates. The most it was set by some artificial random person number. Yeah, it's 50 percent plus one, Donald. <laughs> I realize that the Trumpsters are not real good at math, but here's a guy who's made his whole life about math, basically, you know, dollars, and uh, he's 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 acting as if someone just threw a a dart at a dartboard in the Republican National Committee and they came up with 1237. It is not random. It is a majority. And so um, here's what I think could happen, and I am playing an incredibly tiny, minuscule part in this. This is, this is the way. Oh, it figures. <laughs> okay. It All right. Here, figures. Here, here's the deal. All right. 
I've been a, a delegate to the Republican convention before in 2008. All right. Yeah. So I know a little bit about how this process works. On the first ballot, you are legally required to vote for the person that you're pledged to. So right. so let's say Trump got 1150. And I've done the math, by the way, uh, in, in, in arduous <laughs> spending hours sure you did. Doing, doing this. Even if Trump nearly runs the table on Tuesday, which he very well might, although, again, I think he's going to lose Ohio. Even if that happens, if it were to become a two-man race or effectively a two-man race and Trump, you know, doesn't win anywhere else but the places where you expect him to, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, maybe California. If that happens, I don't think he's going to get 1237. It, now, there's a whole series of things that could allow him to get to 1237, but it's it's theoretically possible. And I think the Cruz people have done the math on this the same way I did. And I think that they're banking on him not getting to 1237, which is why I'm confused by their position on a broker convention. But here's the deal. So on the first ballot, if you don't if if you don't get 1237, there's a second ballot. On the second ballot, everybody is free to vote for whomever they want to vote for. Yeah, now, it's beg, borrow, and steal. Right, but here's the key. Here's the key. What Trump doesn't seem to understand, and most people don't understand this, is that the delegates as they're being chosen, about 70% of them have no loyalty whatsoever to the candidate to which they are pledged. They only have loyalty to the party. Right. The people who are being chosen are people who have given money to the state party in the past, who have been going to these conventions when the delegates meant nothing for the last 35 years, not since 19 or I guess 30 years, 40 years, actually 40 years was the last time the delegates meant anything. 1976 in the Republican side, uh, Reagan versus Ford. So for the last 40 years, they've been going to these conventions. It's a party. That's all it is. Literally, it's a party for a party. All right. Although this year it's in Cleveland. So who wants to go to Cleveland in, in, in summertime? No one. All right, but no one look, in the right mind. Okay, but so the reality is these are party people, right? These are establishment people, most of them. They're not Trump people. Not they're not at Tr- all. Trump would get massacred on a second ballot. Massacred. Now, I don't know who would win, and I get that there would be you know, machinations and Trump's people would go ballistic because they think they don't understand the system. And they think that if you win the most delegates, you're supposed to be the nominee, even if you don't get the 1237. So I get that you're going to lose an enormous number of the Trump people. But so what? You're going to lose the general election anyway. You might as well stand for principle and you might as well try to save the Senate and the Congress. I mean, and, and, and especially when you've got Another candidate there who theoretically could still be standing around named Marco Rubio, who crushes Hillary Clinton in the head-to-head polls, unlike Donald Trump, who gets his ass handed to him. So this is – and and so here's here's where my small – boy, that would just infuriate the Republicans. I – no, it would infuriate the – 35% 35% of people who voted for Donald Trump. He didn't get, he's not going to get 50%. If he had gotten 50% of the overall vote, I'd say, okay, morally, then, hey, the party decided. That's Those are the breaks. And if he gets over 1237, I'm fine with him being the nominee. I'm not fine with it, but I mean, legally, logistically, I'm, I'm, I'll accept it. But here's, here's the deal. Um, in California, and I, I, I got this from a very, very good source, 
the California the person in charge of the California delegation actually had to sign and send a letter to the Trump campaign telling them that they are in violation of the law because they have not complied with the basic paperwork of filing for delegates in California. Now, this is California. It's the biggest, the most delegates there are. If he's this disorganized in California, how disorganized is he everywhere else? He will get, it'll be Custard's last stand at the convention if you can keep him under 1237. It is still very doable. But ironically, the establishment, the evil establishment is not nearly, in my opinion, evil or establishment enough to pull this off. But I actually have a good friend who's going to be, this is where my little part is. I said, look, uh, you need to apply as a Trump delegate. He hates Trump, okay? But he's gone to the convention for years. I said, you need to apply as a Trump delegate so that if he's under 1237, you'll be one of those people that can flip on him. And you'll be one of those people that can vote against him when they vote on the rules before they vote at the convention, which could be critical. I'm, yeah. prob- I'm probably also going to They'll have- make up the rules to make him, to, ke- to kick him out. Right. I'm also going to have my wife apply to be a Trump delegate to do the same thing. I can't do it because they'll, you know, in two seconds, they'll Google me and realize. They'll be like, who? Well, oh, no, no, no rabble rouser. <laughs> no chance there. But I'm no, te- you're a rogue. What are you? You're rogue a rogue activist. Rogue activist. <laughs> right. That's right. right. Anyway, rogue well, what, the point of this is it is possible to still do this. I just don't think there's the will nor the uh, the planning, the intelligence, or the organization to do so. It's But it still could be darn interesting in Cleveland in June. All right, when we come back, we went way long in this segment. Um, we'll continue on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And in the last segment, we went through how Donald Trump could still rather easily and within the rules be kept from being the Republican nominee. I'm not pretending it wouldn't cause enormous conflict and and probably end up losing the general election. Correct. Um, I, I acknowledge that. All right. But but if the, the if the choice here, <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's no good choices. There are no good options at this point. Uh, You'd rather us lose by going for it at the convention than lose with Donald Trump. If you're going to lose, you might as well uh, at least not give up all your principles and you might as well have a shot at keeping the House and the Senate. That's my view. Again, if he doesn't get 1237. Now, one of the complicating factors of this issue, which has not gotten enough play, just like the issue that most of these delegates are not personally loyal to the person that they're allegedly pledged to, which is critical if there's a second ballot. The other element, which I think we're going to see in play here in the next couple of days, and this is something I didn't even know until recently, and that is that if you are, let's say, Marco Rubio, and you have... Oh, at this point, you're getting close to 200 delegates, and you suspend your campaign. They come with you. Your de- no, those delegates technically become free agents, mm. and that 
could end up being how Trump goes over the top. Because at that point, let's let's pretend, let's pretend Rubio loses Florida, which I think he's going to do, as unfortunate as that is. And I want to talk more about Rubio momentarily, because I think he's a fascinating character in this this passion play. Um, and, uh, but if, if, if in fact Trump is held just short of 1237, let's say he's within a hundred, right. And there are 160, 170, whatever, plus some Carson and a couple of Bush. And, uh, I don't know if anyone else got delegates or not, but there's, there's, let's say there's close to 200 free agent delegates out there. Yeah. These people are party people, but they're also whores. Of course Uh, they can be bought. Exactly. And Trump will be able to buy them easily. Because the perception will be he's the only one that can make the deals, and of course he is. He'll he'll tell you he's the deal maker. He's the only deals, even with terrorists. Right. (laughs) So so Trump Trump is the guy, the magic man when it comes to negotiations, and so it would be fairly easy with jobs on the campaign or positions or. Maybe even flat out bribery. I mean, because Trump has bribed conservatives in the past, like he did with CPAC, which was a critical uh, moment in this entire boondoggle when he got to speak at CPAC several years ago after giving them fifty thousand dollars in bribes in hey, consecutive it's years. Well, it's legal. Yeah, whatever. It's still a bribe. And uh, but these people are whores, and and so there's a good chance that if he's within a hundred, he'll be able to find that hundred delegates. W- with the candidates that have dropped out, which is why there is a theory that maybe Rubio stays in even if he's getting clobbered, which would be humiliating beyond comprehension. But in order to just keep those delegates locked in, uh, and the same thing with Kasich, let's say Kasich wins Ohio, he'll have over 100 delegates. So between Kasich and Rubio, you're going to have you know, at least in the in the range of 300 delegates, that could easily be the difference between Trump clinching and not. So you may have this situation, and we'll know we we will know on Wednesday about Rubio whether or not there really is this plan. Because if there is this plan, I don't see how Rubio drops out, making those delegates free agents. If there's really a serious plan. To take Trump out at the convention. Now, Rubio, interestingly, won the D.C. primary yesterday. And to me, Leah, this was so symbolic of how effed up this entire process is. Sir, here you have a couple thousand people in D.C. who are Republicans. Now, if you're a D.C. Republican, you are hardcore. You are hardcore. (laughs) You are hardcore, but you also probably are college educated. Um, you probably also understand how the electoral college works. Speaking of college, uh, you, you probably understand the way elections work, um, because you know, you're obviously working, uh, probably on Capitol Hill or something like that. If you're a Republican who lives in the district of Columbia, you get a government paycheck. Well, not necessarily government, but you're, you're clearly, well, that's the way it's going to be perceived. And that's why it's effed up. The D.C. primary should have been the most credible result so far because these are the people who have the greatest incentive for us to beat Hillary, who have the right. most knowledge on how to do it, and they voted for a guy 
This week, Marco Rubio, who not once but twice was rumored to be dropping out, and he still somehow won. That should tell you something about his electability. Instead, in this upside-down world in which we now live, up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right, Alice in Wonderland, in this Alice in Wonderland world, Rubio winning the D.C. primary was probably a negative because it further established this bogus narrative that he's part of the evil establishment. Right. Even though he was elected as a senator in Florida as a Tea Tea Party party. guy. (laughs) And by the way, who's more establishment than Donald Trump? If if in 2010, when Rubio... Yeah, he's he's Democratic establishment. If in 2010 I had told you that the new Tea Party star, Marco Rubio, was going to be painted as Mr. Evil Establishment, and Donald Trump would be the savior of the rank-and-file populist Republicans, anti-establishment, I... Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what I would have told you was possible because that would be impossible. But that's where we are. All right. Um, hour number three, a ton to get to. Stay tuned to the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.